0: Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Thank you for <clears throat> joining us this evening for our continued study on the subject of faith. We just had a great demonstration of faith, as far as I'm concerned, because this morning I told Jesse, you're going to read Scripture tonight. And he did it, and he did a marvelous job. First time getting up, and he did it because he had faith that he could. And most of all, he had faith in me that I knew he could. That's the key. Right, Jesse? Oh, Oh, yes, absolutely. So, great living example of faith. Let's continue our discussion about faith for a few minutes this evening. It is not possible for us to delve fully, deeply into the things that I have for us tonight. They are far too deep, far too broad, very much that we could spend minute time with, but I want us simply to think about a few principles for a few minutes. It's a terrible thing to go blind, I'm sure. I can't imagine what it would be like to live as a person who knows that he or she is gonna go blind. Well, I'm a visual person, and so I think that I would probably rather lose my hearing than to lose my eyesight. My wife thinks I've already lost my hearing, but that's another story. But I think my eyesight is what I would want to hold on. I I don't want to lose either one, but I think that's what I would say. I also think it would be even worse to have been a sighted person and then lose your eyesight rather than never to have known eyesight. Regardless, we all believe that to be able to see is a powerfully good thing. As bad as physical blindness is, the worst thing that can happen to anyone is spiritual blindness. It saddens me greatly. I've heard it many times, heard it again recently. Where somebody said, I don't believe anymore. I want to, I just don't. The words that were just read for us a story about a young boy healed, not healed by the disciples because Their faith wasn't strong enough, but Jesus, of course, did. But I love the words of the man who just knew that Jesus could do it. And when Jesus said, I'll be glad to if you believe, and he said, I believe and help my unbelief. In other words, I believe, but make it even stronger, deeper. Help it to be even greater than it is. Christian people who get to the point of saying, I just don't believe anymore. I want to, but I can't. Are people who are really crying out like this father. They're crying out to say, help my unbelief. Why do they cry out? I believe it is because every human has something within him that God put there, according to Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, God created all things, and He put eternity in their hearts. There's something that God placed in each one of us that cannot be denied, and that draws us to that outside of ourselves, especially those people who, as children of God, expressed and lived a life of faith who now claim not to have it, they cannot deny that draw that is inside of them. They want it. They desire it. They just can't find it anymore. I don't propose in a few minutes to be able to cure their problems. But what I do propose is to give some thoughts about the whole concept of faith. Remember this morning from Hebrews 11, we we notice that there is substance and evidence. It is something real and there is evidence available to make us come to the conclusion of what that substance represents. Substance and evidence. It is the case that God wants us to reason and to think and to understand God calls us to Him. And these people who no longer have that faith, they need to be brought back to an idea of knowing that there is a substance and that there is evidence that can fashion their minds, frame their minds again uh, around faith as God would have it to be. The problem is that the age the God of this age has blinded people. We know Jesus said in Matthew 6, 22 and 3, that the light of the body is the eye. And if the eye is good, the whole body is in light. But if the eye is evil or bad, the whole body will be in darkness. It's the same with the spiritual life The eye of faith, 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. That spiritual eye gives light to the spiritual body. But if it is taken away, then we cannot have the light of God. We, in fact, are in darkness. Those are the exact words that were framed by Paul When he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 3, If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. They have gone blind because of the God of this age. So that they are not able to come to a knowledge of the truth they have been blinded. This blindness, this ignorance that now, according to Ephesians 4, is in them, this ignorance that is there, the knowledge has been taken away because the God of this age is operating. Certainly, the devil is He's alive and he confronts every one of us on a continuing basis. But let me suggest that it's the God of the age that is the culprit. Sure, Satan is behind it. But the God of the age is the mindset of the age in which we live. Think about this. Just over 200 And 40 years ago, our country was framed. And in all the writings and the people who were a part of putting this country together, you see that the framework, the age, the mind of the age accepted that God is real and that God is true. But now the God of the age... Has changed. It seems, at least, that people now don't accept God the way that they used to. That the God of this age has blinded them. And now even Christians who have this faith in God are falling prey and having their light stolen from them. Their faith is going blind. What do we do? How do we help? those who, like the Father, are saying, please help my unbelief. If they want to be helped, let me propose just a few things to think about. Nothing that we are going to spend a great deal of time digging deeply into, but I want you to hear a few thoughts to present to those who really are searching and who really want to have faith. Here's what I want to suggest. Call them to reason. What I mean by that is, I want you to understand, like I mentioned this morning, that God always approaches people first in a reasonable way, not an emotional way. God presents himself in evidentiary form. God presents himself in truth. God says, here I am, here is the evidence. Now you weigh it, and you think about it, and you can even challenge it. And so God says, come to me in reason. I said this morning that Reason is what we use to understand. It's how we understand things through reasoning. The evidence is presented to us in a reasonable fashion, and we present ourselves to it in emotional ways. The mind accepts the evidence and holds on to it, lives with it. In that situation, we then are able to wrap our entire beings around it passionately or emotionally. And I suggested this morning that emotions are the glue that hold us to the reason that we have now come to, the truth that we now accept, the place where we now stand. To love God with all of your heart is to love God with all of your mind, your thought, your reasonable process, and to love Him with your emotional self. The heart Includes both the mind of reason and the passion of emotion. And that is where faith is. Faith is not something that causes us to dive into the unknown. There's not one of us who drives from Richmond on I-75 heading toward Lexington, who approaching Clay's Ferry Bridge says, I don't know, I have no idea that that bridge is solid enough to hold me up, but because I really want to go to Lexington, I'm just going to dive into the unknown and cross the bridge. (laughs) None of us thinks like that. We have every reason to believe the evidence is there, that it was designed, it was built. It will hold us, and we expect it. Now that's faith. Faith is not where a person runs when the evidence runs out. Faith is what runs with the evidence TOWARD A PLACE THAT THE PHYSICAL EVIDENCE HAS NOT YET BEEN SEEN BY ME. I HAVE BEEN TO 48 OF THE 50 STATES OF THE UNITED STATES OF AMERICA. I'VE NOT BEEN TO MAINE AND I'VE NOT BEEN TO NORTH DAKOTA. BUT YOU KNOW WHAT? I KNOW THEY ARE THERE. I've not seen them with my eyes. But all of the evidence says there is a place called Maine. And there is a state called North Dakota. And just because I haven't placed my feet on the soil, just because my eyes have not taken in the sights, does not mean that it's not real and that I can't know it. My faith rests in all the evidence And it is just as real to me as if I had walked through those states. That's what faith is. Faith doesn't doubt what is moving forward. Faith goes forward boldly because the evidence is pushing you in that direction. And that's what faith is. So, I want you to think about this. In Isaiah 1 and verse 18, the prophet said, From God, come now, let us reason together. God wants us to reason. He he made us as reasonable creatures. God expects us to reason. God expects us to challenge. He expects us to investigate. He, He expects us to understand as best we can by looking at all of the available evidence. And when God called people to reason with Him, He's calling us to do the same when a person has come to the point where their faith has gone blind. Decide first to reason with them. I want to give you some reasonable thoughts just to tickle the mind, if you will, just to stir the curiosity, just to get people to think. I am offended, I am upset, when I hear that apparently Christians are not scientific. As though there is science over here and there's Christianity over here. I read a quote today from a man who said, You have to research science over here and religion over here. Don't ever put them together. Because by putting them together, you won't understand either one. What? You mean, are you trying to tell me that science and Christianity are incompatible? Are you telling me that they are mutually exclusive? In other words, to be mutually exclusive says, if this, then not that. And if that, then not this. That's mutually exclusive. When I say be reasonable, let me present a few facts to you. And I want you to decide. And these are the facts that you can use with people who say, help my faith. What is science? As we begin thinking about things, what is science? Science is the study of the observable universe. That's what it does. It studies what is, and it goes to a lab and reproduces this, and we say, oh, this is how it is, and every time I do it, that's what happens. That's science. The study of what is. Think with me about that then for just a minute. For those who want their faith, here are some things that all scientists believe. They have all practiced them in their lives. They stake their claims. They stake their reputations. And they have been paid because they believe these things. Number one, the law of causality. Things are because something made it. One of two things is true. Matter is eternal, or mind is eternal. Can you think of anything else? Give me another option. Science says matter is not eternal. It has to be created. It had to come from somewhere. And so they continue to try to find where that is a lot of scientists say it came from nothing. All of a sudden, nothing became something. Is that reasonable? Does that make any sense? That's what some scientists say. What does science say? Everything we have came from something before. Oh, what does Christianity say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Science says everything that is came from something. If you have nothing, you will always have nothing. But because something is here, there has never been a time when there was nothing. Some scientists say nothing can produce something. Christianity says it was something, mind, someone, that created all things. Now you tell me, which one is more scientific? Interesting. Number two, the law of biogenesis. In other words... NOT ONLY DID SOMETHING COME FROM SOMETHING, BUT SOMETHING CAME FROM SOMETHING OF ITS KIND. EVERY FARMER EXPECTS TO PLANT A CERTAIN SEED TO PRODUCE THAT CROP. IF HE WANTS CORN AND HE PLANTS CORN SEED, HE DOES NOT EXPECT TO GET COTTON. NO SCIENTIST CAN REPRODUCE IN ANY LAB AT ANY TIME ANYTHING OTHER THAN This thing produces after its thing. It's never been the case. Never scientifically observable. In fact, impossible in scientific understanding that a dog could give birth to a cat. And it is not possible for a monkey to give birth to a human Yet, that's exactly what scientists who want us to believe in macroevolution, one species changes to another species, that's what they want us to believe. But science is built on the principle that whatever you have produces after its kind. And what does Christianity teach? Ten times in Genesis 1, in the creation, God said, after its kind. Now you tell me, which one is more reasonable? The teaching that all things produce after their kind? Or the teaching that it's somewhere species just jumped back and forth to produce all that is? Which one is reasonable? Which one is scientific? Number three, the law called or the principle called the anthropic principle. This world, this universe, was made for us. In fact, it is not possible in our scientific understanding, for us to live in any other kind of world. This is the world we live in because this is the world that we need to live in. And only people like us could have come to a world like this. It's not possible to see another way in which we as humans could live in any other way. And yet, Some teach that this world is, by chance, just happened to be exactly the way it is, just happened to have the people and the animals and the plants that we happen to have, and it just happened all by chance. But what does Christianity say? In Genesis 2, God planted a garden, verse 8 and 9. And in it, he placed the man whom he'd created. And he gave him all the trees with the fruit and all of the plants and all of the animals. God made it and said, it's for you, it's designed for you, and it works for you. Now you tell me, which is reasonable, the creationist view accepting Genesis 2 or any other concept as to how we got to the place that we are. Number four, science has the ability to study what is. And they study and study and study all of these concepts. How is everything held together? Science accepts gravity. So do I. I accept gravity. In fact, sometimes I'm afraid of gravity. I have an area of a vaulted ceiling at home and I've been working on it. And I have a ladder that requires me to get to the first step, not the very top of the ladder, but the first step from the top and anchor the, my legs against that final thing just to reach what I want to reach. And I am nervous swaying a little bit because I ex- respect gravity. <laughs> if I fall, which I did, I better land on something soft, which I did. But they can't explain gravity. We can observe it. We can see it. They understand it, but they can't explain it. They have no way to explain it. All they can say is, Well, it just happened to be. Christianity can explain it. Colossians 1, 18 and 19. The Bible says that in Him, that is in Christ, all things consist, the word means, hold together. Why is it? Why is it that we're not just flying off into outer space? because we're held here. Yes, it's gravity, but who controls gravity? God does. See, I can explain it. Science can't. Now, who is more reasonable? Who is more consistent with the science that we observe? The Christian concept or any other concept of chance that we might just happen to run off? You see, I believe in it because I can take this paper and I know it's going to fall. I don't have to. They don't have a way to explain it. But God puts everything together. God understands it. And in Colossians 1, we can understand it through Him who is more reasonable. A fifth thought that I want you to understand is the thought of the law of thermodynamics. The first law, Newton's first law of thermodynamics. Newton says, the quantity of energy always stays the same. You can convert from one thing to another, but you can't destroy the quantity of energy. You have water, You can convert it to ice. You can convert it to steam. But the amount of energy stays the same. Science can't explain it. Don't know. It just is. But guess what? Christianity can. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, And God finished the creation. He put it all there. He finished it. It's over. He created all that is. AND ONLY HE WILL FINALLY BE ABLE TO DESTROY IT. WHO IS MORE REASONABLE, CHRISTIANITY OR CHANCE SCIENCE? THE SECOND LAW OF THERMODYNAMICS IS THE FINAL ONE. AND IT SIMPLY SAYS THAT THIS WORLD IS GOING INTO CHAOS. THE WHOLE UNIVERSE IS MOVING INTO CHAOS. The scientific concept of many is that the world was in chaos and has gotten better and better and better through the evolutionary process things. Are, but wait a minute. We've all used the illustration before. You can live in a house and raise ten kids in that house. But you move out and nobody lives there, and that house will fall apart. Odd, isn't it? that's the law of chaos. The universe is expanding. It's moving. It's becoming more disorderly, not orderly. And Christianity understands that. Christianity understands Psalm 102. uh, The psalmist understood the idea that we're moving out, that things are changing, and it's growing old like an old garment, he said, of the universe. These six things are accepted as basic scientific principles. And guess what? Christianity accepts every one of them. What about those who don't? Who is more scientific? Those who don't? OR CHRISTIANITY WHO DOES? WHICH IS MORE REASONABLE, THOSE WHO DON'T ACCEPT, OR CHRISTIANITY THAT DOES? WHEN FAITH GOES BLIND, I WANT TO CALL YOU BACK TO REASON, REASON THAT GOD PLACED IN YOUR HEART, THE draw TO HIM THAT YOU JUST CAN'T DENY. I'm sad, and I feel for those who are in pain who think they've lost their faith. You haven't lost it. It's just buried deep by the God of this age. But God offers you to have it back. We're glad to help you. We would talk. We can sit down, and we can re-energize that faith. God wants it. God calls you to it, I hope that today has been an uplifting and helpful excursion into the Bible concept of faith. Thank you for joining us tonight, and as always, may God bless our country, may God bless our church, may God bless each one of us as we strive to be faithful and to hold on to our faith. Please reach out to us if we can help you in any way. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, We would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.